From Revenue Rhino, I'm Brad Hammond, and this is the Lifelong Customer Podcast. We're interviewing successful sales and marketing leaders and discussing ways in which they're building lifelong relationships with their customers. Welcome to the Lifelong Customer Podcast. I'm your host, Brad Hammond, and today I have Patrick from Immersive. Patrick, it's really nice to have you on. Yeah, thanks for having me. This is great. I love uh, these kinds of chats. Absolutely. I'm really excited. So, just give me a quick rundown of who you are, what you're doing, and what you're doing at your company. Sure. So I've been in inside sales, like digital inside sales for the past, like about six years, I think, six or seven years. I started out like doing top of funnel work, you know, as an entry level SDR when I first started. And I realized pretty quickly that if I could specialize in that area, if I could get really good at that, then I'd probably never be out of work. Because it seemed I was a little bit late to the game. I had a previous career as a teacher before that, did some odd things in between. But I realized pretty quickly, that like nobody in the building wanted to do that job. There's 250 people at this company and nobody wants to pick up the phone and go and do the outbound thing and get new prospects in front of the sales reps. So I, I spent the next six years doing things like that. I worked for three different startups, two of which have been acquired. One got fund secured their series a recently. And then from there, I started a consulting career and did some freelance work consulting for with businesses. And then I worked for a few different agencies as a contractor, like outbound sales agencies. That's awesome. So right now there's a lot of changes going on within sales and marketing and team structure and all this stuff. Given the current challenges, where do you think that companies should prioritize their efforts and the resources and what are things where maybe companies should scale down the effort a little bit? Yeah, so the way that I, I think about this is like in the SaaS industry, revenue comes from two places. It comes from new logo acquisition and renewals. It's actually like more heavily weighted on the renewal side. So figuring out what you need to do to hang on to the customers that you already have is something like, I think that space is going to get a lot more attention as things unfold here. Like the past, say 10 or 12 years, there's been a lot of sales and marketing technology, a lot of investment in that. I think that we're going to start to see a shift towards the customer success space. Things to scale down on, I think... There's been a lot of, with VC capital, there's been a lot of people that are freely spending on programs to do experiments, like going and hiring a bunch of SDRs before you have things figured out. I think that's going to probably taper down. There might even be like a slight shift in the model where it was really segmented at first with like top of funnel SDR team and then like a closing team. I think you're going to see early stage companies moving towards having a full cycle rep that can figure things out and then hire into that. So then you start to add supports onto that and move into this pod structure. It's been, it's not anything completely new, but I just, I think that people are going to start moving in that direction more frequently. Yeah. What about when it comes to, so let's talk like internal, external team and then tactics those teams are running. Will you think there's going to be a scale up in external SDR, outsource SDR, or are those going to go away? What's your thoughts on where they fit into the picture? Yeah, I think it's always going to be there because there's a market for it. Like I said a minute ago, nobody in the building wants to do that job. And it's often like a lot cheaper to outsource that. But I think it's naive um, to have the belief that like you can hire somebody for, say, I don't know, $5,000 a month for an agency that's got 20 other companies that they're trying to do the same thing for to figure it out for you. I think having a pretty good idea of who your target audience is, who the ideal customer is, what you want to say to them, what the value prop is, things that you've done for others similar like you. I think having those things 
lined up up front would like greatly increase the success rate of a venture like that. So don't rely on the agency to figure all that out and stumble around, have the playbook established, so to speak. Yeah. And I've worked in a few of them and like the sales reps that work at those companies will tell you that they can figure it out for you. And yeah, I just, I think it's probably naive. Yeah. And then when it comes to the level of sophistication, what do you think is going to happen there? Is it going to still be the grind through 300 phone calls a day and send a lot of emails and reach out to a hundred people on LinkedIn or does there need to be more sophistication there? There's a place for it, right? There's a place for having activity targets. There's a reason why people do that. And it's to hold people accountable to make sure that they're putting in the right activity. But I think if the focus is solely on the number of activities, um, it might be a little bit short-sighted. Whereas if you start looking at like the conversion rate between each of those steps, so like how many phone calls, people try to back into like their funnel metrics, like the math of sales. So like, this is my close rate. So I need this many meetings. And then to get that many meetings, I need this many dials. Start looking at those conversion metrics and think about how can you optimize those? If you can make a 10% like lift in the number of prospects you need to talk to, to get them into a meeting by like that will like have this huge downstream impact and it doesn't take that much effort. If you just start like thinking about which prospects you're reaching out to rather than the number of prospects you're reaching out to. And then from the meeting to close deal, what are the things that are happening in that process that you can optimize? And right, if you can make like a 10% lift in each of those processes, like you don't need as many dials. It's not like you need 300 dials. It's like you might only need 75 a day, but it's a shift in mindset between pushing for the activity and like optimizing the activity. Absolutely. Yeah, we've found like we've shifted more to a warm calling at specific times when people are more likely to answer the phone. And it's funny, we might connect with 20 people in an hour under these specific warm people at this time versus three people a day grinding through 100 phone numbers. Very interesting. Yeah, yeah. And I think there's also channel saturation is something I believe in. Like you should use the phone, you should use email, and you should try to reach out on LinkedIn. If you're not doing one of those channels, you're probably missing something that you could have gotten otherwise. But then you can get really smart about it and start to weave them together. So like on th this is something we were talking about in our pre-call, right? Going on LinkedIn and finding people that are engaging with the topic that you're addressing with the product and then reach out to those people, right? Like it seems so simple. It's like, and then you can call those people and you can email those people. So building your list based on people that you can see are engaged with a particular topic. Like we've seen a ton of success with that recently. I would say maybe a hundred X more efficient than just randomly emailing a list that you pull out of Zoom info or something. Yeah. And do you think overall companies are better at focusing on efficiency versus like overall volume? Like instead of, Let's send 300 or 300% the amount focusing on the conversion rate, getting it from 1% to 3%. Yeah, I think it varies greatly across the different, depends on like the maturity of the company, like how well established the product is, how saturated the space that they're selling into is. I think you see a lot of variance there. But in general, like I think that the sort of more like early stage startups are a lot scrappier and a lot better iterating and figuring out like how to get, how to stretch the most for their dollar in terms of how much it costs to acquire a customer versus somebody like Salesforce or something that's like already like this at this huge scale. I don't think that they have to think about it quite as stringently.
Yeah, it makes sense. All right, have you seen any new tactics, like especially useful? It sounds like combining channels, call, message, laser-focused targeting on people that are maybe engaging with content that's around the topic. Are there any other learnings or things you're finding that are working really well? That's what we've been doing. That and like just going to in-person events, I think that's like starting to pop up again. Like people have this COVID fatigue, I think, from all the lockdowns and things and are happy to get out and talk to people. Like even if you don't have a booth, like just as an attendee at an event, like half of the number of new meetings that we had over the last three months came from in-person events. It's a little bit more cost-intensive to do it that way. But I think if you can, if your company can swing it, you can get a lot out of it. Totally. How should I know if I need to go down the path of hiring an external SDR company or if I do it in-house? Like what are maybe some pros and cons or ways in which that influenced me one way or the other? Yeah, I think that the core problem that you're trying to solve for the with either of those paths is the same is like you're trying to figure out how to get traction from an outbound sales motion. And the question isn't whether I do it internally or do it externally. It's like, I need to solve that and figure out how to do that. And then you can use the like the, the external, the outsourcing function to turn up the volume on something that you've already got a pretty good idea about, right? Like it, it, it's, and if you've had a recent funding round and you're trying to spend money, it's, it's not one or the other. It's you should really think about both of those. It's two peas in a pod, I think. Absolutely. Is it typically cheaper to do it outsourced or to do it internally? Is one cheaper, more expensive? Is it a speed versus time thing? Yeah, it's the classic build versus buy, right? It can look like there is less risk and upfront costs associated with outsourcing. You can get like some of these companies, they'll sell you like, oh, we'll give you basically add two headcount for half the price of you to hire one person. That's often like the selling angle. You do that for three months and don't get anything out of it. Like it, it's just, it's sunken cost or like the results are marginal, right? Like it's, it would be prudent to try to figure it out in-house with the minimal expenses. So have one sharp person that's experienced in building that up for a startup and find some traction, find a little bit of traction there, and then go with a good plan and a strategy to do the outsourcing with. Like it can be really expensive to hire into sales as a cost center, to hire a bunch of sales reps as an experiment. But if you start small, and figure it, figure it out, figure out just how to get a little bit of traction, how to find that foothold and then expand on it. I think that's probably like the safest approach. I love that. In terms of structuring these teams, how do you structure them for productivity? Is it track all these activity metrics beyond everyone if the activity isn't done or like, how do you best structure that? Yeah. So I'm a New England Patriots fan and Bill Belichick has his, you know, I'll paraphrase basically, but he said the only stat that matters is like number of games won, right? Most important thing to think about is like how many dollars in revenue can you acquire and like work backwards from there. So in terms of like tracking activity, I don't necessarily hold people or try to hold people to the fire on, on activity metrics as, as much as I do, like how many qualified sales opportunities, right? Like from a top of funnel perspective, like the number of new opportunities that I can get that are legitimate opportunities that some, that anybody could walk into the deal and be like, yeah, this is closable. The things that are in your control, like we've checked all the boxes and if it doesn't close, it was some external force that we couldn't control. Like how many times can you do that? 
<laughs> right? And then work backwards from there to figure out like, what do we need to do to get more of that? Yeah. Do you see there being any value in, I'll say, account intelligence, or maybe not like it's a deal today, but we know it's on the radar for Q3 of next year. Is there any value in that stuff, or are you tend to just look at what can we close this quarter? Yeah, I think it just, it's in a different category. I think that there's like a ton of value in that. Having a list of opportunities that you opened, but closed, they were ended up in the closed loss pile because reach out to us Q3 of next year or whatever. But there's a ton of stuff there. Like when Q2 comes up, like you should be like running at those people hard, but it doesn't go into my forecast, right? If it's not going to close this quarter, if it's not likely that it's going to close this quarter, like I'm not going to forecast it. Absolutely. That makes sense. And how do you think this is going to change now with the economy and everything going on? What sorts of changes will SDR teams have to make? Folks doing this, there's maybe less buyers out there. Any insights on that? Yeah, I think it definitely goes back to finding out how the product that you're selling like impacts the revenue of the business that you're trying to sell to. Like in general, so refocus, like the companies that are really focused on that are going to do fine. The companies that are like sort of thinking about this from like a, a better mousetrap kind of perspective, this does this feature better. The nice to have stuff is not going to close deals. Like you're going to be able to win business based on how you can improve like the KPIs of the company that you're reaching out to. That's the only reason why anything moves in B2B. Absolutely. And then uh, what's your plan for this next quarter? What are you doubling down on? What are you excited about? Any any plans you can uh, reveal with tweaks and changes and all that? Yeah. The, so the things that I'm doubling down on, I've been doing this project with a company called Lead Magic, where I've got five sort of alternate domains to the main company domain. And I'm sending email like really fast through those. So like I'll come up with a list of a thousand prospects and I can cover it in two weeks. I can hit everybody in two weeks without landing in the spam folder or moving a lot slower than I would if I was doing it one by one by hand with just one domain. So we're doing that. And that allows me to do a couple of things. Like I, I can iterate on messaging really quickly. I can try to test different versions, different, like different versions of the copy. I can try different lists. It just, it allows me to move a lot faster, especially because we're an early stage startup, right? Immersa is 20 employees, series A, just battling out for, to build up our install. So that's one thing I'm doing. The other thing we're doing is LinkedIn. Like, like I mentioned earlier, like finding posts from influencers that are getting a lot of traction. And then harvesting all the people that are engaged with that post and then reaching out to them with that context. Like I saw your comment on Joe Schmo's post. I would curious to hear about your approach to net retention or whatever the topic is. And then again, like the events for Q1, like we've got a list of events for Q1 that we're going to go out to and just try to pound the pavement. Yeah. I think what you mentioned there is really important to highlight is curious to hear your thoughts on XYZ topic. Have you found... Just starting a general conversation is better and then leading that to, hey, here's maybe nurturing it a bit and then a call to action versus like call to action right away. A hundred thousand percent, like just starting the conversation, like having conversations with people is like where I make my money. And if I get into the topic with someone, it's like if I just show up and just pitch them straight away, they might opt out. But if I get into the conversation about them and get them to talk about what problems they're experiencing, and then suddenly I'm already there as a solution to said problem that I've helped X, Y, and Z other customer with that I can communicate that while I'm talking to the person. 
like I've opened a number of opportunities that way. So it's like any way that you can get in front of the person and start talking to them and get them to tell you stuff. That's like how the deal progresses, right? Like it, it's like, and I'm fishing for information the whole time and I'm just trying to get them to talk. I think that's a great point to highlight. We've experienced the same. We've been sending out short, asking people, hey, can I send you short videos on a problem, a solution? And then it's crazy. I think we're getting right now 15, 20% of people respond back to that, get in a conversation, turn that into opportunity. So I think that's such an important point to highlight because I get 20 messages a day on, we're offering X, Y, and Z. Can you sign up for the sales demo right away? And I think it's way less effective than that conversation. Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing that it does is you start to be able to, to traverse a network that way. We're like the more conversations you have, if you're not, if you're not the used car salesman, like the typical slimy version of sales reps that most people have in their mind, if you're just a normal person having a nice conversation and keep it open-ended and don't have an agenda to it, like that person's going to be way more likely to introduce you to somebody else that they're connected to. So I talked to that guy. He was a good guy. That's all I need. And we've done that a ton too, especially with the in-person thing. You meet somebody in person, have a good conversation. Don't carry an agenda for it. Just try to learn what you can from about what their workflow is like. Like th that's going to pay dividends. It's not, and it's not directly, right? Like it's actually like just helping me hop around the network of people that do that kind of work. Yeah. I love that. You're building really good inroads. So that's awesome. Patrick, it's been amazing to have you on the podcast. Thanks so much for joining today. Yeah, of course. Went by quick. Absolutely.